0: You're listening to Two Guys
1: Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue.
0: You know, Andre, I can't even do an accent to go with this podcast, so I will just introduce myself. I'm Michael Pincus from michaelpincuswinerview.com. I'm Andre Prue
1: from andrewinerview.ca.
0: And uh, today we are going down, down under.
1: Is that how they refer to it?
0: No, I'm just messing around because I'm sure it'll piss somebody off. But down, down, under, I guess, because if Australia would be down under, and if you're looking at a globe, then New Zealand would be under Australia. So wouldn't they be down, down, under?
1: Uh, I think you're thinking of Tasmania. New Zealand's beside Australia.
0: Well, you know, uh, but you know what? Beside down, under doesn't sound as good as down, down, under.
1: You're just covering up for the fact that you mix up Tasmania and New Zealand.
0: Ah, it's all the same, isn't it?
1: yeah okay fair enough um you know what it was actually really interesting to sit down because we have talked in the past that i'm a little fed up with new zealand sauvignon blanc Uh, you're more than
0: a little fed up you are just you are actually at a vintages tasting you get downright surly when you see them
1: uh yeah i said some very not not nice things about The last couple uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs that we tasted, but I still taste them because I think it's important to know what's coming to the market. But I find that there's just this trend of it's not even stylistic at this point of trying to sneak in underripe fruit and and, you know, kind of amplify this distinct savory flavor that um that new zealand sauvignon blanc is being known for but that being said
0: but i think that's what they want to be known for and if that's if that's the style they're going for then i i think you know you just have to you know as uh, the beatles say let it be
1: but that being said you can't have too much of a good thing and when you start to lose balance you end up with these you know hot messes it's like a
0: uh, andre you really have to have a frozen moment about this
1: <laughs> never
0: let it, let it go never
1: but anyways without further ado now that we're sort of rambling we had a chance to talk to uh, uh Mitchell of uh, Morisco Morisco and uh, one
0: of you know what I'll be honest one of my favorite New Zealand wineries and I was I, I was thrilled so I kind of geeked out a little bit uh you know tasting some of these wines and meeting him uh you I don't think had known them at all
1: I had not known them at all. Uh, well, I knew the label, but I hadn't really connected them to the brand. And a lot of the wines that they make just kind of come and go through vintages. And, and they go very quickly through yes. vintages.
0: That's the other thing.
1: Um, so and I know, a, I know... You get a
0: chance to grab these bottles.
1: You should do that. And I mean, um, the Sauvignon Blanc that we did taste was good. And you'll hear us do a live tasting. We tasted through several wines on this podcast, but...
2: So let's get to it. Okay. I guess officially, um, I was born Matthew Mitchell, um, but you can call me Matt. Well, Uh, it says that on your card. It does, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marisco doesn't like a lot of pomp and ceremony. We go with short and monosyllabic titles. So uh, I'm GM of winery, which kind of puts me in charge of everything production that happens on the winery site. So um, that gives me responsibilities over things like production planning and stuff. So a little bit more than just winemaking, but... Ultimately, uh, yeah, one minute is my bag. Your bag. Yeah. You make
0: it. So this is our first time we've spoken to somebody from, uh, from New Zealand. We've done Australia. We've yes. obviously done Ontario. Yes. Uh, we've, done we've done California. California and uh, Ontario. Via <laughs> Ontario. But uh, first time in New Zealand. So uh, while we're recording this, it is um, February.
1: Yes, it and, and, like it. and it's actually really interesting because Matt, coming from the southern hemisphere, hemisphere is in the middle of summer, edging on fall. Well, so well, we look like we're in the middle of summer. Twenty degrees in Toronto where we're recording. Yeah, this is ridiculous. At uh,
0: I can't even say this uh, name of the restaurant. So we have a gentleman by the name of Chris. Chris, Chris. Chris, Chris.
1: here pouring for us. Uh, and you want to tell me what the name of the restaurant is? Absolutely. The Name of the restaurant is called Estiatorio Volus. Oh, no, so I'm you're Greek. Greek. I am Greek. Well, <laughs> there we go. Estetorio is a very simple way of saying restaurant, similar to sort of Osteria. OK, yeah. OK. Uh, and Volos is a coastal city in Greece, which is a beautiful city. OK. The uh, native home of the olives. OK, so let me give a shot at this, because I don't know if the microphone picked it up. Estadorios Volos. Estetorio Volos, very good. Volos. Oh, Volos, OK. Okay. Oh, just, job. Job. OK, so
0: yeah. that's where we are in downtown Toronto, where today it hit somewhere in the neighborhood of almost 20 degrees. 20 yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of February.
2: Yes. Yeah. And And one thing that came up in your story about when you woke up this morning. Oh, that's good. Only so far as uh, the wake-up call gave me a little brief on how the day was going to be, but um, having only had four hours sleep, I was a little surprised to hear. uh, Fifteen degrees was the prediction. I kind of wondered if they're talking Fahrenheit. Maybe I'd got it wrong. They were Uh, not. They were certainly not. Canada Canada has been really kind to me, actually. I have um, hit a consistent purple patch of weather from west coast to east coast. Purple uh, patch, or, uh, yeah. I take it that's a good thing. Uh, purple's good, yeah. Well, Purple, okay. Purple's royal, you know. Okay. So what's happening in New Zealand right now? Like, well, right like, in, in February, yeah. what are we looking at? That's yeah, a good, good question, because, um, you know, whilst today has been um, thoroughly pleasant, uh, you know, just talking to the folks back home, we've had a week of 30 degrees. Uh, so, you know, we're coming into the tail end of our growing season, and um, we're really only about, uh, give or take, 21... 30 days away from harvest. Oh, so, so, um, Yeah, you know, the fruit's all set on the vine. Uh, we've been through Veraison, and um, really we're just hanging out for the sugar levels and the, and the flavors to start picking. All right, so what varietals uh, are you growing down at uh, Marisco? Somewhat unsurprisingly, uh, being Marlborough based um, we're pretty much all about Sauvignon Blanc. So if you look at our portfolio, it's kind of like, heavily skewed to Sauvignon, um, both in a volume sense and a different kind of wine sense. So uh, 75% of our production would be Sauvignon Blanc, and um, whilst Pinot Gris has kind of snuck up on us a little bit and is just going absolutely crazy successful in the market um, and is growing probably faster than anything else, uh, You know, Sauvignon Blanc will always be our cornerstone varietal and, and the thing that we're most known for. Now, you have
0: more than one label. It's not just Morisco. There's actually uh, a few things that come under your...
2: Yeah, incre- yeah increasingly more and more. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, at the stage of the company being, you know, just getting to beyond that 10-year anniversary, uh, I guess, like any normal uh, wine business, we're really diversifying the portfolio, both from a quality sense and a sort of like a fruit sourcing kind of sense. So recently we uh, purchased a, a new property that's um, about six kilometres further up the valley, in the Wahabai Valley in Marlborough, um, and that's afforded us this whole opportunity to, to, to grow the production of our existing brands, but plus add in some other kind of really cool single vineyard stories. So whilst you're probably a long way off seeing it in the Canadian market, um, you know, what's coming down the pipeline at us is a, a cool brand called Leafield Station. Leaf Field Lee, Station. Oh, Leaf Field yeah, station. 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 Yeah, Field Station. the accent. I know, it's a little bit. It's crazy accent, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but, but before
0: that, you have the, the Ned, which Astrid. we've seen here in Ontario, for sure.
2: Yeah, Cornerstone Varietal um, Mix, and uh, yeah, uh, sort of like the, the foundation brand of the company.
0: And then there's, there's Morisco. I know I, on my wine racks, I have a Morisco Pinot Noir. So that's, that's, it's just called Morisco Pinot Noir. And then there's the King's series, is there not? Right? That,
2: that's correct, yeah. yeah. So the King's series kind of rese- uh, resembles our reserve range, for, for want of a better description. Um, so primarily based on a superior fruit selection, a more targeted fruit selection than what would be available for the need, for example. Got
1: it. All right. And b- before we get too much into the specifics of, uh, I guess, what we have in front of us... Getting so close to harvest, how is... I guess this would be 2017, the harvest? Correct. How does 2017 look as a, as a harvest for you guys? It's... It's going to feel
2: 21 to 30 days, days away. 20. You have no idea. Yeah. Everything could go to hell I head. But. Yeah, that's it. We've got everything crossed for a little bit more of this continuation of the current weather. Um, it, it's been... To be honest, it's been quite a difficult season, I think, what you guys have experienced. Um, in terms of your recent weather and the changeability and the unseasonable nature that has definitely been the case with our growing season uh, we've had a lot of high winds we've had a lot of changeable weather um, but you know having said that um, nothing disastrous I don't think there's um, any more or less disease potential than is what is normal than in a Marlborough season and um, you know Whilst there's a little bit of sort of bunch variability already as a result of some dodgy weather during flowering, um, you know we're we're pretty confident that there's um, you know there's a good crop out there, and um, you know with the recent warm temperatures we'll ripen it and um, yeah we'll do vintage like like we always do. Cool. Okay, so we're now ready to shit all over some
0: wine, I think. (laughs) Oh yeah, let's. uh... All right, so no, I I gotta come right (laughs) out and say it. <laughs> I've uh, I've followed Risco now for a few years, and uh, I'm I'm a fan. So that's why I'm, I was thrilled to be able to talk to you. Uh, big fan of your Pinot. Okay, yeah. The rest right. of your peanuts okay. are, are something that I, I always love. So, uh, so when we asked you what to pour, you went with the white and the rosé. So I, well, I don't it, like it, it, it as it much it. anymore, but it, that's okay.
1: In all fairness, Michael, like full disclosure, I asked for the whites because the two white varietals we're yeah. tasting yeah. Yeah. are the stuff that you and I both like to shit on. Yes. Okay. okay? So do we want to go left to right and maybe start with the first one? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to just get this over with because I've already tasted it. And I'm actually really enjoying it. There you go.
0: All right. So, Sauvignon Blanc, which is not uh, Andre's favorite wine in
1: any way, shape, or form. No. It, okay. Come on. You know what? Let, 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 let me put Don't my be bee- let me put okay, but let me put my beef out with you, Matt, right away. Is I found that in New Zealand, you guys have figured it out. You know that in, in Canada, especially, we're nuts for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. But, like, we know what it is. We like about it. It's it's kind of those savory notes, the gooseberry, the asparagus, the, like, the herb garden nose that you get. And I find that we get a lot of bottles. We get a lot of bottles that work its way through vintages now where it's not the savory notes that are over top of tropical fruit. It's just f***ing underripe fruit. <laughs> like let's let's see how what much underripe fruit eat. we can put in this and, and and get away with it, and then blend it with the ripe fruit and make it taste okay. And I'm taking the nose on this, and it's definitely it's got a little bit of the savory note, but it's a lot of tropical yeah. fruit. It's guava. Yeah. It's passion fruit. But like the goose, this, there's some gooseberry in there. There's a lot. No, but it's no, not. No. It's not underripe. Like it's not. It's not asparagus. But like it's got a little bit of the of the of the herb garden. So we're even getting a little pod going on here, which is something I usually pick out in. Uh, but the thing go- is, it's, it's still fruit. It's still a lot of like ripe fruit. Like it's, yep. this isn't underripe by any means. Matt so. hasn't figured out that this is radio, so he's uh, <laughs> nodding a lot. So. so I'm I'm not just saying this because he's <laughs> sitting in front of me, but you're you're not guilty of the of the over underripe And I mean there is a nice in intensity to it, but it's not too concentrated. It's a uh, nice acidity to it. It's. I actually, mean, this it's, is a great yeah. food wine. Because it's radio,
2: and nobody said that I was allowed to swear. And, uh, so uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, it's actually our radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm liberated now, so... Radio, <laughs> radio free Europe. Or, let's, or go. Yeah, let's, let's go. go. Yeah. So, so just, to, I mean, just to talk to that point. Um, I think what, what sets us apart is our Uh, Morisco Vineyards, the NED label in particular, um, has a very strong story based around the Wahopai Valley. It's where our winery is based, it's where all our vineyard sourcing is based. Um, And and what that means in in really kind of simple terms is, we, uh, uh, in one of the side valleys, one of the Southern Valley's networks, um, we have the valley wall that protects us from the cooling effects of the ocean. So think about it as like um, daytime temperatures that are probably two to four to five degrees warmer than the Central Valley. Uh, But that is in combination with the fact that we're a little bit further south and uh, east of, um, again, of most of the Sauvignon Blanc cultivations. So we're kind of really close to that mountain network, uh, the sort of the foothills of the Southern Alps. And uh, as a result, you know, when the sun goes down, we get this big rush of cold air. So the minute we lose the sun, we've got cool temperatures, uh, really quite, you know, even in high summer, quite chilly nighttime temperatures. So you've got this fantastic daytime nighttime temperature fluctuation. And what that gives us is Sauvignon Blanc that is genuinely ripe, right, but avoids that kind of... Um, underripe scenario that you're talking to the bell pepper the jalapeno. but but at the same yeah. time you you've definitely got like the
1: essence of New Zealand Sauvignon yeah. Blanc as, yeah. as the, the, the market knows yeah. it. There, there's yeah. some gra-
0: there's some yep. definitely you know fresh cut grass yep. here yep. and that herbaceous yep. note to it. I think on the palate it's not
1: as tropical as the nose. Right? I wouldn't agree with that. I find it's quite tropical pushing right to the back. No like no, no, seriously
2: I'm going to, have to referee. I, I I can see that. <laughs> I already had to take them out of the bar a
1: couple
0: times. <laughs> you know, I'm getting a little tangerine, but I mean, it's, yeah, not, yeah, it, it's not as... Um, that nose just, just lures me in. And, I, and you can see I've almost finished the glass. So <laughs> yeah. It's not like I didn't like it, but it wasn't as, as tropical. It was, there
1: was a lot of that grassiness, Look, tangerine. I, I know we're only two months in, but this is my favorite Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand that I've tasted in 2017. That's right. such faint praise. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. We, we've tasted there, there have been quite a few working their way through. This is my favorite summer day that I've seen in 2017. Uh, like whatever. Let's move on to the next one. Move on to your favorite, Michael. Okay.
0: So I have always said that Pinot Gris is probably one of the most boring grape varieties in the world. Right next to uh, Un-Oak Chardonnay, which I think is probably, yeah, is the most boring grape variety.
1: Oh, this has opened up. Yeah. Oh, what, are you tasting all of them already? Well, when the glasses were poured and you were busy shooting your mouth, I took a smell of the well, glasses. Well, screw caps, so they better not be corked or anything. No, like no, 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 but, I mean, <laughs> when this was in the glass, when it was immediately poured, it was a little tight, and, I mean, it smelled like what you would expect from kind of your pinot grigio for 10 bucks a bottle, but I mean, this has been in the glass now for 14 minutes and 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> Critical. Yeah, I, I've got a clock in front of me. Anyways, uh,
2: it's now completely opened up. Is
0: there some yeast contact in here? Can
2: you yeah. Give the man a master of wine. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows more than I do, really, because uh, <laughs> he's tasting the wine I'm drinking with my eyes. So
0: no, I, I can I can smell almost a, a spicy characteristic. Like an oat well, character. Well, yeah, yeah, and no, 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 that's what that I, I look for. No. Holy shit! Yeah. In a uh, no, no, no. in the <laughs> Pinot that actually has some lees contact. If yeah, no. Pinot Gris does not have lees contact, uh, I always find them very boring. When you, when you put some lees contact in them, they develop, you know. Not a Chardonnay characteristic, but some
1: sort of spice. Well, give it some weight. Some weight, exactly. um, I think often we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the texture of the wines that we drink. We focus on the aromas and the flavors. And if you want to talk about Pinot Gris and you want to talk about great Pinot Gris, I think often these are the ones that have a little bit of texture that make them interesting so that... You know, kind of really subtle flavors, and I know you're not one for subtlety, Michael. <laughs> but with Pinot Gris we're talking about subtle flavors that least contact gives it a bit of weight, which, I mean, gives you a little bit of interest. Let's let these let's let's like subtle not, flavors come out. But it's not a butteriness in any way, no. shape, or form. There's a spiciness
0: to this wine. There's there's a, a a picante quality to it that you can almost smell and that you can definitely taste. So obviously these contact. Let's go back to that. How yeah, long on yeah, these? And this is, so. just so people know what wines we're talking about, the first wine was the uh, the Ned Sauvignon Blanc 2016, and then the uh, second wine, which we are trying now, is the King's Thorn, which is part of the King's series, Pinot Gris
2: 2016. So, uh, tell us a little about this wine. I guess, you know, like, um, the really important thing about Pinot Gris is, is everything you've said to date. I think, you know, it's never going to have the most exuberant fruit character. So it's a wine style that I think you really have to work that textural an- angle uh, to to create the, the the colour and the interest in the wine. Um, Brent Maris, the owner of our business, he's um, Marlborough's first-born and bred, you know, fully trained up, authentic winemaker. Um, you know, he still very much direct style within our company, and you know, when Pinot Gris sort of came to the fore within the Marisco range, um, you know, he was really all about. Let's try and create wines that have you know genuine textural interest, but let's try and avoid you know eight to ten grams of residual sugar. You know we don't want to be about this sort of you know heavy, sickly kind of Pinot Gris style. Um, I love that you've set the ben- set the benchmark
1: that low because I think even for most people, eight to ten grams of residual sugar with nice acidity in both the Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Gris have some nice acidity to them you wouldn't necessarily really taste that as a sweet wine, but to really set that as a... So you guys are
2: in the business of of serious wines. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that, you know, comes to that sort of classic show uh, criteria where you kind of got to hit under six grams to have, you know, genuineness around calling it dry wine. And, you know, we want to show our wines. We want to compete. And so, you know, bearing that in mind, but primarily it's all about wine balance and... um, yeah, so you know we try and hit that um, you know sub six gram uh, residual thing, but we're looking at really building mouthfeel, and the way we do that with the King's Thorn is very much around a, a ten to fifteen percent um, barrel fermentation component. Um, oh, that's, so that's Where the least least contact comes in, and um, are you talking like neutral barrels or? Well, yeah, it, that's the way it started out for sure, um, but I think as we've got you know more used to that and that component is perhaps growing you know from the sort of the 10% to 15% we've growing the confidence to just start injecting a little bit of uh, you know genuine new work in there and that little hint of spice and smoke um, I, you know again I just think really complements the sort of the, the musky fruit character that you get from really ripe Pinot Gris.
0: So yes Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio left by itself is boring. Do something to Pinot Gris. That's that's my thoughts about Pinot
1: Gris. I still prefer the Sauvignon Blanc. I still prefer the Sauvignon Blanc, which is a lot coming for me, who's been crapping on Sauvignon Blanc for now months. But this is very nice Pinot
2: Gris. I think the way to think about Pinot Gris, the the, the, the way to kind of get into the interest of the variety is, if you kind of think of Pinot Gris as like that mutant little sister of Pinot Noir, it's basically like this, this white grape that has a red wine tannin structure. And I think if you can kind of exploit that tannin structure and, and, and then supplement it or build it up into something, then, you know, you can make wines that, okay, maybe they don't have that exuberant fruit character like a Sauvignon Blanc, but you put them in your mouth and it's like, wow, you know, this is really doing things and going places in your, on your palate that you just don't expect. And, you know, that's the excitement around, uh, you know, wines made in a style like this. See, I,
0: uh, I think the Sauvignon Blanc is great for summer. And the Pinot Gris is summer on steroids. There's just a little bit more, more on there. Like this, I could sit and just yeah, the sodium know, blonde. I could sit and sip on all, all afternoon. With Pinot Gris, I need something else. Yeah, a I would. I, you food, know, food,
1: a little. yeah sa- Maybe a salad. Maybe. But a, but one great thing about this is it is it does have that interesting texture for Pinot Gris, but it is incredibly food friendly because of the subtlety no. of flavors. Like I may not want to serve a steak with it. No. <laughs> But I mean, no, crazy. I know I'm oh, the crazy. I'm the crazy. I'm all over. Pulled. you know what? I think that's the most out there. I think pulled pork for well, that would be with fantastic. With a South Carolina barbecue sauce. The mustard? Oh, you're insane. We got to go with the Texas sauce. <laughs> all right. So you were talking about a pink wine. Yeah, here let's we go. Do it, let's do it. And then so let's talk about something that's got a little bit of color
0: to it. Okay. This is the King's Desire, which obviously is obviously part of the King's series.
2: Correct. And um, this is um. This is something that's just totally new. Um, whilst it um, and, and, and totally bespoke for, for this market. It's um, we made it in a tiny small quantity. Um, it's you know totally dialed into what we thought. Wait, how much is this gonna cost in
1: the market? Nineteen ninety five. Nineteen ninety five for so you're gonna be on the podcast. <laughs> Sooner or later someone's gonna get in. Yeah, there you go. We're sitting in the room, you're okay. on the podcast. You and want want and I'd to by the way, the like person on the podcast do is... Do you want to introduce yourself since you're on this? Sure.
0: Natalia
1: Monjolius with Authentic Wine and Spirits. Okay. There we go. Natalia from Authentic. She's my protector. <laughs> so we well, she hasn't she hasn't, yeah. she hasn't, she hasn't yeah. intervened yet, so I don't know how good a job she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'll toss the first tasting note yeah, on I'm this use here. Use when I'm, when I'm smelling the notes, because I've already tasted this, I'll say first off, it is bone dry. Yeah, man. It is absolutely bone dry, but I love wines like this when you get the smell, so... Uh, I'm a child of the 80s, and when I get the nose on this, it smells like fruit roll-ups. Yeah. Like, it it smells like candied fruit, like the stuff that my mom would would pack in my lunch. And the best thing is, it's one of my favorite things when you find rosé, and uh, there's a local winery called Flat Rock, who a couple years ago made a rosé that tasted like Swedish berries, which is like just a full-on red confection candy, but it was bone dry. So you can get that... You know, that nostalgia element that takes me right back. But yes. keep the wine bone right. Just like, man, this tastes like I'm 13, but... Yeah, it's got yeah, a little Jolly Rancher quality to yeah. it, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I'm the, hooked. Watermelon Jolly Rancher going on. Uh, totally. Yeah. 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 Like, like, this, this is candied, but without the sweetness. Well,
0: it was, it was odd, because I was smelling uh, smelling the wine, and I'm like, oh, my God. They made something sweet, and <laughs> but it's got that Jolly Rancher, that raspberry, that... That candied element, that bubblegummy
1: note, and I'm like, oh my god! But the thing is, it's, it's, it's so it's so weird on the palate because chew. The Big League, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, like the weird thing is that it's got all this like confection fruit on the palate, um, um, on the palate. Yeah, Big League Chew down in no, in no idea what you Bubblegum, it's, it's a bubblegum. It's a bubblegum bubble that they did in in. Uh, in, in it made it look like chewing tobacco.
0: And what you do is you rip it open and it's like a sack of gum. And you oh. can actually, and it's stringy and you put it in your mouth and, yeah, so it looked like chewing tobacco.
1: But like, but, it's, it's nostalgia. This is bottled yeah. nostalgia. And the thing is the acidity, it's got the red.
2: This is a, a, a dry rosé that I could serve with a steak. And just, just for the record, um, our marketing manager... Um, our marketing and sales GM had done forbade me to talk about confectionery in relation to our rosé. Cool, you can leave that to us. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. It's you only on the nose car trouble. Yeah. It's totally
0: on the nose because on the palate, you're getting that watermelon Jolly Rancher without the sugar. You know what I mean? Well, what I'm getting that?
1: the confectionery like I'm getting the fruit roll-up on the palate without the sugar too where it's just like, like it's it's really satisfying. This <laughs> and then and then the acidity is like woof, it's gone. This it's is like chug log. This is... Really oh yeah, this is dangerous. <laughs> Twelve percent.
0: Yeah, that's a two. <laughs> that's a two bottle by yourself afternoon.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what? This is this
1: is fish fry. This is shore lunch. Oh, this is fish with this. This would be fantastic.
2: Shore lunch, totally. All right, so tell us about how Yeah, it was, let's do uh, really, it. Pinot pino pino Noir, rose. Now that we have um, turned it into a candy shop, uh, <laughs> anything I say will be um, vaguely nerdy and uh, and, and wine makers But yeah, look. Um, it was, you know, really our attempt to put a kiwi spin on just that classic sort of southern French rosé style that in a little lighter but absolutely bone dry, has that lovely kind of powdery tannin effect and really, really crisp acidity. So I think we've got all that juiciness and, dare I say, that confected character that you talk about, but it's on this lovely dry kind of textured palette. Well, it's just like the, the finish, yeah, like the like. It's yeah. so dry. Yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. coming
0: to the market. This is coming yeah, back. absolutely. Look,
2: it was totally designed for this market. It was a, a request for someone that really liked the label, uh, like what we were doing with rosé under the nib, but wanted something that's just a little bit more kind of serious. And, uh, well, we don't know who this person is, but we'll have to send them a thank you card when yeah. we find out. Yeah, yeah this, yeah, this,
0: is,
1: is, this
2: is delicious. Yeah. So,
0: because uh, you're also known for Pinot Noir, and Andre's got it in
1: front of them. Can
2: we open the raft? Yeah, man, you, you, you knock yourself out. Oh, so. <laughs> okay, it's not as impressive as with a cork, but... No, it's more impressive because this we can guarantee the wine will be good underneath it. It's not going to be spoiled. So Thank you. I you've been around, I love around that for 10 so years, much. You've always wanted to be the screw cap, I'm going to assume. 100%. Yeah. I've never put a cork anywhere near me. Did you even think about going? Like, I know New Zealand is just all about the screw cap. Uh, uh, no, never, once. So I, never I, once. I think the business came along... Post the screw cap initiative within uh, New Zealand, and um, Brent, the owner of our business, um, you know, was just 100% behind it, uh, you know, right right from the early outset. And I think when you look at our lineup of wines, the fact that we you know have built a business on aromatic wine, uh, it just makes complete sense. And you guys are popping from his from Well, the concentration <laughs> of the we're aromas. About, right you know,
0: before we got on, we were talking about. Uh,
1: Uh, Oregon Pinot. We were talking about California Pinot. I went hold that (laughs) against (laughs) you. And, um... No, this is is definitely cool climate Pinot here. I, I know, uh you think Southern Hemisphere... I'm sure your winters aren't as harsh as ours, but... No, no, um, I've, I've learned a new level of harsh in terms of winter. Oh, uh, you I'll went to Winnipeg?
0: Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> he always gets Winnipeg. And, oh, oh, wait, no, he always gets Saskatchewan in, so I guess i got to throw that out. There away. we go. Yeah. Andre's from Saskatchewan. He's probably told you already. Yeah. You ever seen
1: Minus 57? No, I never. Mean, because was, I no. have. <laughs> Why, like, Andre will take you home. No, no, it's... it's my my one, you mean mom? <laughs> okay, so it's like black charred, like... Um, well, like, like, a, like campfire, but like cocoa, like really nice cocoa powder. There's a little on in here, too. Here, we'll, give, we'll, give, we'll give a new shout-out to my, my girlfriend, Anya, who's a pastry chef. Like, this smells Who like... Who never made pastry for either of us. No, well... How the hell does that happen? <laughs> but the thing you is... It's your birthday, you don't okay. get a cake. The, 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 <laughs> this is an important distinction, and it's flattering compared to a lot of the shit that we've already said. But there's a difference between the grocery store cocoa powder... And the good oh, yeah. stuff. good oh, yeah. so nice. so stuff. And this loves smells them. like the good stuff. Like, it's got a note, but it's really it's, it's really distinct. A cool raspberry
0: strawberry going on, but it's not
1: over the top. It's all Can you glass? It's
0: all, it's all okay, about... It's on come on. You're on the podcast, <laughs> now. It's all about savoriness. And, uh... Oh, they're doing the flaming Cheese out this side. I don't know if anybody
1: saw that. Nobody saw that, but, um...
0: Wow.
1: So. So once again, like, completely bone-dry, nice fruit on the mid-palate, but, like, that that cocoa note is like, start to finish, nose to finish. This is
0: the one that, that, that got me to fall in love with, uh, with Marisco, uh, you know, a few years back. Uh, mm-hmm. I just love that uh, King's Rat.
1: Uh, Acids are months. high, tannins are approachable, but, I mean, this could age for quite a
2: while, eh? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, the wines, under the security of a screw cap, really have great longevity. And, look, you know, I... I know you don't want to go back and start talking about pink wine again, but, you know, we couldn't make the King's Desire rosé style without having a really good understanding of and fantastic Pinot Noir vineyard sites. Um, you know, the King's Desire was always supposed to be, you know, really upscale, and so we went to some of the best sites that we have within the company and took Pinot um, in the clonal pickings off, off north-facing hillsides, you know, so it's a really serious attempt to try and, you know, capture the the varietal characters and and, you know even what you've just described in the King's Wrath you know there's a lot of crossover of the fruit characters obviously in the slightly darker spectrum it's clearly riper and picked a little later but you know it talks to you know the quality of our viticulture and um, and the fantastic vineyard sites we have within the company. So we should ask some geeky questions like, yeah, how, man. how yeah. much either acreage or hectareage? I'm not sure which way you want to talk about it. Do you have first of all? Ah, uh, look, um, yeah, numbers game. Um, <laughs> the, the, the it's just a winemaker he has no idea. <laughs> <So, yeah, so laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of grapes. Um, <laughs> Our home block vineyard, uh, 250 hectares, so... Okay. Um, oh, geez, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic, a fantastic thing, actually, because what we've got is this um, ability to talk with something like Ned Sauvignon Blanc to talk a single vineyard story, um, have all that wine credibility through the single vineyard story, but we've got scale and size that gives us, um, you know, probably better economies of scale, but just the ability to be out in the worldwide market, to come to Canada, have continu- continuity of supply... Um, You know, it's a fantastic thing. And, you know, now that we've bought um, the second property, we talked about Leafield Station at the very beginning of the podcast. Um, Leafield Station is massive. It's a total game changer. Um, 2,200 hectares plus. Um, All planted? Most, no, no. Oh, hell, yeah. hell no. Um, <laughs> and a large chunk of it will never be planted. It, it'll be dedicated to, um, to bringing back as you know high country sheep and beef grazing. Um, in fact, there's some really... Oh, sheep and beef. Tell me more. Yeah. You know, <laughs> with some grand plans around Angus stud and Romney stud and, and that sort of thing. I'm no farmer. I'm a city kid, so I'm going to sleep that alone. But 700 hectares potentially of really interesting... Um, flat, flattish kind of land that we're going to develop over a sort of six-year period. We're 300 hectares planted of the 700, so so far to date. So we're now roughly at 550. And then, you know, we've got a couple of small Pinot Noir vineyards, which is relevant to the King's Roth. Um, they're a little bit close to town. Uh, still in the Southern Valleys network, so we're still trading off that sort of shelter from the sea breeze and warmer sites. Plus equally we have a couple of kind of Chardonnay dominated vineyards that equally have a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc thrown in there as well. And again, they're a little bit closer to, to Marlborough, outside of the sort of network. So I don't know, five fifty, call it call it seven hundred at the moment, but but definitely growing. Um, you know, I could see a time where we're farming, um, you know, upwards, slightly upwards of a thousand hectares. Yeah. Holy crap, that's a yeah. lot. So the so the, the
0: King's Wrath is like the top end you know, at the moment. It could uh, no, not, not it's
2: not s- oh, it's not strictly. But true. You're holding out on us. Yeah, look, there's this, this this little thing on my my left sleeve called the Craft Series. Um, Where's that?
1: <laughs> not here today. Okay. <laughs> today. Next time. Okay.
2: I'm looking at you, to tell you. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back in a year and we'll we'll tell the story about the Craft Series, but back in 2011 um, we had this fantastic opportunity to just throw all the kind of constraints to winemaking out the window and just go out there and be as crazy as we can with Sauvignon Blanc Um, nothing was too crazy experimental to try and ultimately what we've come up with is this range of wines that celebrates an aspect of craft with Sauvignon Blanc it's all about winemaking with Pinot Noir it's all about the entire journey from vineyard through winemaking, through marketing, Um, it's called The Journey, um, for obvious reasons. And we even have a a single vineyard Viognier in the program. Uh, Which very much celebrates the challenge of viticulture when you take something that typically grows in quite a warm, arid climate, and you cultivate that in Marlborough. And so, um, uh,
1: well, you you are are invited back. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) Okay, so I've got to ask because you made a comment in passing. How does a city kid end up in winemaking? Which the more me and Michael do, and we obviously know. And if you're listening to this and don't know this, winemaking is just really. Fancy, crazy farming.
2: Yes. Uh, well, look, all, doing
0: the bit of cultural is... Uh, yeah, uh,
2: you still get, need good fruit. Yeah. You need good fruit, need to good make- fruit but... 100%, 100 How much do you have... Okay, so uh,
0: keep his question in mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How much do you have to do with the bit of culture?
2: Or do you let the bit of do his due, and then he brings you good fruit? No, um... It's really good that Anton's here, not here because um, you know, this is this the stage where we kind of do the classic kind of you know, winemaker, hating on viticulturist kind of thing, and normally, normally he'd just reach across the table and punch me, but um, he's not here, he's like thousands of miles away, it's like, I can rag on him all I like, um, so long as he doesn't ever pick up the podcast, but um, yeah, look, uh, you know, I get up in his face when I think he's done it wrong, you know, it's that simple, um, and then equally, um, he can be very vocal when he thinks that we haven't kept our end of the bargainer, he... Delivers perfect fruit and we turn it into some standard wine, then he's got a lot to say about it. And Brent's always created this culture within our company that um, we don't have really tight interdepartmental boundaries. We kind of, you know, we really merge. The fact that I'm in the market talking to you about effectively in a sales and marketing environment um, is a stronger element of trust on Siobhan's case because, um, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just a winemaker, what do I know, you know? You're
1: kind
2: of <laughs> talking rubbish, you know, but, um, but you know, have, having fun doing it. But, you know, to answer the question, yeah, look, you know, when we don't think we've quite got it right, you know, we'll talk to Anton. And, and, and it's not that I know more than him, it's just like I'll tend to say to him, look, you know, the wines this year have this sort of certain quality and it's not necessarily quite what we're looking for. We want to kind of morph it into this, what do you reckon we could do? You know, we we we're just really mining his um, fantastic local knowledge, his his knowledge of the soils and the blocks and the the techniques. And so, um, subsequent podcasts, we need to talk to Anton. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> the winemaker. no, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and he, he would just say that we're a bunch of. Um, yeah, ponces that just um, <laughs> get way too much credit for the quality of the wine. And it's, it's you know, wine comes from uh, the vineyard. All right, so back to my question. How does the city kid end up making uh, wine then? Yeah, um, it's basically, it's a sad tale of, um, you know, um, illiteracy and, um, and um, substandard intelligence. It's, um, you know, very quickly through my schooling, I realized I couldn't read. I can't write. Uh, I'm not really good with economic things and um, so that left me with maths and science. So, um, you know, I'm kind of the, I guess maybe the geeky kid that still kind of, um, you know, enjoys that stuff. And, um, and then when someone actually exposed me to that transformation that grape juice is through to wine, it's just, it, it, it really is, you know, alchemy is this thing that human race has been chasing for years. But you go into a winery and you see how boring and flavorless grape juice is regardless of variety almost and you see what that transformation is that yeast are ultimately responsible for and it's, you know, you go from something that has very little kind of layering in terms of flavor expression and aroma but chuck yeast across it let them do their job and let them do it well you know, in a controlled environment and what you come out with is this thing that is just so um aromatically or flavor wise you know the complexity of flavor chemistry at that at that level is um you know off the charts and it's it's genuine alchemy and that's the thing that kind of hooked me in how long have you been doing this um maybe five months 25 28 years something like that like it's it's Uh,
1: it's it's so amazing like like i'm not I'm sort of at a loss of words, but I really hope that when I'm 28 years into doing what I'm doing, I still have the passion that that, that you have. I mean, to refer to what you're doing as as alchemy, because you're making wine on a pretty large scale. But I mean... They still have that, that passion come through where you're referring to your craft a, a, as alchemy like there's something whimsical about that so I mean but no, I mean, no, it's, I it's, it's, it. I mean you, when you break it when you break yeah. it down on a basic yeah. level winemaking is still chemistry yeast Understand. sugar yeah. becomes yeah. becomes alcohol but like uh, I'm I'm out a loss of words. Well, like, oh, you can stop there
0: because I have a question for the inner. Go geek. for it. I have a question for his inner geek. Star Wars or t- Star Trek?
2: <laughs> uh, neither. I just. I don't. Holy do, I, I don't, do, don't do sci-fi at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought that for sure he was going to pick one of the I, I, I have a Seriously, question. No, no I, about the real things, not the unreal things. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm. A, I'm only a recent. Um, I'm only like about maybe a third through the first series like um, maybe I'm a Game in Thrones Throats retard but um, it, not to say it's not fascinating there is more um, Matt, come on you've death got... and bosoms than you've ever seen anywhere on television keep up a yeah, Mac, come like on you, 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 you've hey. got and everybody loves the bars button and yeah. they've got a dwarf
1: okay but you've got you've got a wine with you know oh, kind yeah, of old English script called the Ned Absolutely. And you're watching the first season of Game of Thrones. Come on, man. <laughs> the King's wrath? Yeah. Like, like this, whole, this whole wine just screams Game of Thrones, uh, trademark HBO. This,
2: this is where I reach across the table and just point out something like this. Um, whilst that's got this really obvious kind of Game of Thrones thing with the, the, the font and all the rest of the King series, I've got a bottle of King series in my hand. I'd like to actually refer to the little kind of splatter of what kind of looks like dried blood. You know, I reckon it's actually got this more kind of tarantino Field. Oh, you, you haven't know, watched enough like, Game of Thrones, Matt. Oh, no, no, clearly, clearly not. But, um, <laughs> I just want to refer to Kill Bill and, um, and just the whole samurai.
1: Oh, thing. Power through season one and then get back to us. Yeah, Do you want that.
2: to talk about blood splattered across okay, the I'll, bottle? I'll come back. I'll bring you some craft beer. we are just going
1: to go slowly uh,
0: backwards within the line. Absolutely. Uh, if I remember the, the Ned Pinot Noir, uh, it's a little more fruit forward.
2: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and very, very deliberately so. Yeah. Um, you Know the, the the whole thrust with the neat range is just about this really sort of fun, exuberant, non serious um, approach to, to wine. Andre, did you want to? Oh, look shot? at that! Oh, there's one right there. Should we uh, oh, give God. that a quick shout, too? Yes. Yeah, would we yes. see the difference
0: between the two. We've got fresh glasses because, uh, yeah, you know, if I remember correctly, the neat oh. is just that fruit forward of expression of, of Pinot Noir, yeah, kind of um, uh, somewhere you know, not to you know, make light yeah. of it, but it's a little California meets Oregon meets, uh, um, uh, it's Niagara? Europa, a bit of fun. Niagara, I was going to say. Niagara? <laughs> or Niagara. No, Niagara. Niagara, yes. Niagara yeah, yeah. Yes, um, enough of this might,
1: uh, might rise, the, raise the bar, so to speak, uh, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, ooh! Actually, going <laughs> back to uh, which is the one—the wrap, the, the uh, yeah. Now that it's been in the glass for a couple of minutes, because we literally popped it and put it in the glass, it's now got a bit of a floral, mm-hmm. like the violet, the deep violet, dried violet aroma to it. And now, but if you get,
0: get the net, that's a more fruit forward. The acidity's a little more forward, also, especially on the palate. That's like a, that really is an entry level Pinot. Yeah, but. 100% but not oh that's good to, to use your word not a retard Pinot you don't know want to use it's say we like to say that here <laughs> yeah but probably yeah, but not, not. Uh, no, no, no. yeah but no but, yeah. But, but it's not it's not you know a special it's not the short bus Pinot it's
1: a good solid Pino. yeah yeah if Look, I'm not going to call anyone out in particular, but if entry-level Niagara Pino is, hey, we got to step up our game, but, I mean, this is what entry-level Pino should be.
0: Yeah. it's. Uh, so I know I know that we just made that that step backwards, but I just wanted Andre to, uh, because he not,
2: I don't think you had experienced the NAND before. I have, but it's interesting to do it side-by-side with everything yeah. else yeah, it tasted. And look, you guys have talked to it already. I think, you know, you see that, you know, with the King series, we're trying to hit that kind of serious note where... You can sit down with food and, and the wines are robust enough and concentrated enough to really stand up to food. The net the food thing just doesn't matter. It's it's kinda like this, you know, relaxing after a really hard day or just just out on your patio where you I don't know what do you call it, dick. That's always sounds like dick, but Yeah, yeah, deck. It's deck. yeah. Um don't let him touch his deck. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't sit on my deck. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, we're just giant children. Yeah. You know. Sorry. Boy well, children,
2: very clean boy comes children. comes down to yeah, yeah. <laughs> Penis jokes, love it. Um, we're 15 again. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> just about... It's kind of that classic kind of, you know, relaxing after work, in the weekend, drinking no, food, food, non-essential, and, you know, really, that's the fun... You know, everyday nature of what the need's supposed to represent.
1: And yeah, this little bone dry. Like, like, these are all... all Something like look, sugar isn't necessarily uh, an, an indicator of a wine that isn't, air quotes, serious, but I mean, these wines are all very serious wines. Like, if you're new to wine and you want to see... I, I, I think we can... Each say that these uh, over deliver on their price or at least deliver yeah, exactly yeah, what you're yeah, looking for. And top price. So the Sauvignon Blanc is, uh, which is a nib?
0: available year round.
1: 16 available year round, thanks a ton. And then there's the uh, King's Thorn Pinot Brie.
0: Yes, and
1: that's coming out through Vintages. It's 1995, and it's coming out May 13th. May 13th, 1995, Vintages. The Pinot
0: Noir, Rosé. It's coming out April 29th, 1995.
1: Ooh. Always good to have a fact checker. With <laughs> April 29th. Okay, sorry, I'm just repeating so that we're closer to the mic. April 29th, 1995.
2: I just, I'm just going to just jump in here and say, that this wine was made exclusively for this market in a very small quantity. If you get on top of this and you love it, go large early because... Uh, Liquid fruit roll-ups. It's all over. Over. You know. So. Go. Go. I'm gonna I'm go gonna go 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 be go all to over this. This really, but this really has digressed. rest. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Large early. Well,
1: before before we start to wrap. Oh wait. We're gonna. We gotta continue oh, the oh, prices. The oh, yeah. Pinot Noir. Uh, it's not available
0: in market. Go. And would you call me for special requests? <laughs> and the King's Wrap. The same. It's not available in market. Matt, we'd like to thank you a lot for your time for for tasting all these wines. I know you probably weren't. Thinking we taste all five of these, but we really appreciate you opening the bottles as we twisted your rubber arm to do it. So, uh, no, look, absolutely my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, man. These were fan- these were fantastic, um, and we um, wish you all all the success in the North American market and 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 back at home.
2: And we have convinced you that mobile Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Gris are really rare. <laughs>
1: Uh, hey i, I, I <laughs>
0: hey look it's it's really yeah, yeah okay it. i'm cutting the tape andre uh these guys do great pinot noir they do great sauvignon blanc but you know the wine that i was totally jazzed about and i know you were too
1: oh that rosé yeah oh god that was so good you know it's just amazing that you can get like all these amazing flavors that kind of take you back to that elementary school lunch that kind of candied fruit, the fruit leather, the fruit roll-up, and I, I can happily say these uh, descriptors without worrying about in- insulting anyone because this is a serious, legit wine. There was
0: oh, it was it was so dry, yes, but so fruity on the nose. It's just it is. I gotta grab me some of that because it is going to be this my special summer rosé. Like I don't bring it out every day because you know it's twenty dollars. Rosé is. It's not an everyday rosé, but that's going to be like the special every, you know, two every month or something like that.
1: I'd agree with that. Anyways, until we get a chance to speak to our next New Zealand winemaker, maybe I will tone down my hatred of uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc and just enjoy some Morisco. I would do that. And uh, remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. uh, Leave us a review. We would love to hear what you think of what we're doing. Make and
0: comment for god's sake absolutely. we'll gladly respond to anything i'll
1: try anything. to keep michael away from the keyboard if it's a negative comment
0: yeah I, I don't like those
1: anyways you want to wrap this up michael
0: i'm michael pincus from michael pincus i'm
1: andre prue from andre and good night thanks for listening please subscribe to two guys talking wine on itunes